0: Hallelujah. I'm only kidding. I want to welcome you again to Lakeview Church. We're excited to be here today. We're excited to hear what the Lord has in store for us in his word today. I want to share just a couple of things, a couple of announcements with you. If you're our guest today, we want to tell you we are supremely glad you're here. Aren't you glad our guests are with us today? Let's give them a big hand. And if you are our guest today, in your seat pocket in front of you, is a connection card. And if you'll use that connection card just to let us know a little bit about you, you don't have to share any more than what you want to share, okay? But that helps us to know you are here, helps us to connect with you. We've got things coming up. Um, we like to send texts or emails every once in a while. Not all the time, just every once in a while to let you know what's going on around here and so that you can be a part. Amen? And so if you'll fill that out, if you have a prayer request, or if you have a need in your life that you want us to pray about, please put that on the back. You can deposit those in the um, offering boxes at the back of the sanctuary on your way out, and we'd appreciate that. Also, we have three ways to give here at Lakeview Church. Many of you know what those are, but for those that don't, I'm going to tell you. Well, you can go online, lakeviewpeople.com slash give. You can go there, and you can set up Uh, 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 yourself as a a, a donor or as a giver, and you can give online or you can text to give. Text to give is real easy. The number's on the screen. You can text to give, amen? And then, uh, or you can use those offering boxes that are located at the back of the room. Uh, If you want a tax-deductible receipt for your giving, please use an offering envelope unless you're giving by check, okay? And so that's those announcements. I got. Are we supposed to announce the app? Not yet? Okay. So we have an app, but I can't tell you about it. Okay, so. Is it online? It's online. Oh, well. Well, let me just tell you, we have an app. Come on. And how do they get on the app? You can go to church center app. You can go either. T- you can go to Google or you can go to the Apple store and you download Church Center app. And when you download Church Center app, the first question will ask you is something about where you live or your, or your um, zip code or location. You can put that in and several churches will come up. And you can find our church when you click on that and say, this is my church. That'll be your app. And you, we, you can begin to do a lot of things on that. If you'll go to our website, you can watch a video all about church center app. Um, So please do that. Lakeviewpeople.com. Just lakeviewpeople.com. It'll be there this afternoon afternoon, evidently. All right. I'm jumping ahead of myself. We're going to send you. That's why we need your information so I can send you a text about that. All right. But coming up on October the 31st, and this is really exciting. October 31st is Trunk or Treat. Trunk or Treat is a big thing around here. We have a lot of kids that come through here. I'd say there's no less than 500 people that come through this parking lot and they get candy. And this year, you don't have to buy any candy. We're going to buy all the candy for you. Amen? When I say we, when I say we, you're actually buying it. You're just buying it with your tithes and offerings. How's that? And so, uh, but if you wanted to give extra towards candy, you can do that. The reason why we're doing that, there's such a, um, a thing going on right now with uh, fentanyl and all the different drugs and things that people are trying to pass off. We only want to give candy out that we've purchased so that we know that it's candy. Amen. Come on somebody. And so if you want to get involved, you can go to com slash trunk or treat. And you can sign up your vehicle there. What we want you to do is decorate your vehicle, put a game with your vehicle. We'll give you the candy. The kids will come around. If you want to help with food, you can go on there. We're doing hot dogs and chips and drinks and things like that. If you want to help in, in parking, traffic control, um, if you want to help clean up, hey, everybody likes cleaning up, you can go on there and sign up. And so go to lakeviewpeople.com slash treat. And you can do that. Those are all the announcements. Aren't you glad? Give the Lord a hand. Amen. So today we are in part four. Part four of the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel is a book study. And we know this, uh, that uh, there are 12 chapters in the book of Daniel. And the theme of the book of Daniel is this. How do you live godly in an ungodly culture? And if you watch the pre-sermon video you'll notice that there are a lot of things in there that we would not approve of, right? We wouldn't approve of some of the things going on in there. We'd say, well, that, but that's our culture and that's where we live. And that's where, those are the things our kids are inundated with. Those are the messages that we hear every single day. If you watch the news or listen to the news, or if you, if you have any form of media that's speaking into your life, you're hearing these messages and it's only representative of our culture, Right? What do they say? Art imitates culture. And so what we see in in what the world calls art is we're seeing a reflection of what's happening in our world. And so how do you live godly in an ungodly culture? This book, the book of Daniel, speaks to this question because Israel was at a point in their time in which they were in exile. It was called the Babylonian Captivity. And we've talked a lot about that, that that they went into captivity to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar went in and and, um, conquered them. And then not only did he conquer them, but he just took them all to Babylon with him. Now, Babylon is located in present-day Iraq. And Babylon was highly secularized and was without regard for the God of Israel. They could care less about the God of Israel, right? And so the book of Daniel is a period in which Babylon, again, was this secularized culture or ungodly culture. And Daniel lived in this ungodly culture for 74 years. He went there when he was 16 years old and he died there at 90 years old. So he lived his entire Christian life in an ungodly culture. Because sometimes we say, how, do we, how are we going to live godly in the United States? It's becoming so uh, secularized or sinful or ungodly. Well, Daniel did it, and we can do it too. And as a matter of fact, not only can we do it, but we can influence culture. Come on, somebody. Because Daniel did the very same thing. Daniel served four different kings. Four different kings in the time that he was there. He served four different kings, and he was one of their greatest Uh, He had uh, some of the greatest influence of anybody in those kingdoms. But today, before we go on, I want to share some things with you. Before we go on into the book of Daniel, I want to bring out a scripture that is found in 2 Peter. 2 Peter, the first chapter, the third verse says this. And this won't be on the screen. So just relax. If you have your Bibles, look at it. If you don't, I'm reading out of the New International Version. Given everything, God has given us everything we need for a godly life. We need to settle that. God has given us everything we need to live godly. Do you understand that? You're not going to get anything from the world you need to live godly. And God has given us. That's what Peter said. And so Peter goes on in verse 15 of chapter one, and he says this, I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. So what did he say? You've got them, but you need to remember them. I've shared this time and time again. God has given us things that sometimes we forget we possess. Just like I always go to the junk drawer, because how many have ever gone through your junk drawer and said, I didn't even remember I had that. You had it. You just didn't know you had it. Could be in your golf bag. It could be in the glove box. It could be in a lot of different places, probably in a lady's purse without a doubt. But anyway, (laughs) I will make every effort to see that after my departure, what does he mean after my departure? Is he going somewhere? Yeah, he's going somewhere. He's going to heaven. He said, after my departure, I'm going to do everything that I can do while I'm here on the earth to make sure that you know what you have so that after I leave, you don't forget it. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But now listen to what he says. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves, Peter said, I was an eyewitness. Not only was I an eyewitness to his ascension, but I heard the voice out of heaven. And we ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on that sacred mountain. We also have, though, a prophetic message as completely reliable. What does he mean by that? What he means is that what you read in Scripture is no less reliable than what we heard on the Mount of Transfiguration when we saw Jesus ascend into heaven and we heard a voice out of heaven say, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. You have as equally reliable word of prophecy given to you it's the prophecies found in scripture scripture is as reliable as any voice you could hear out of heaven actually probably more reliable because he said my word is forever settled it's not changing and so we ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven But we also have a prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you, me, us, will do well to pay attention to it. As to a light shining in a dark place. See, if there's darkness in your life, how are you going to turn the light on in that light, in that darkness? You're going to go to the Word of God to turn it on. Because the Bible says the entrance of God's Word gives light. It gives understanding. It's your development in God. So you need this scripture. You need what we're talking about. I need what we're talking about. Because it's the most reliable thing that we have. Oh, no, 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 wait a minute. Science has got a, 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 a telescope way out there. Not as reliable as this word. Sorry, not as reliable. Well, they all the smart people got together. Sorry, not as reliable. Well, the government, definitely not as reliable. Come on. So this is my son, he said. And he said, you have this prophetic message that is completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. What's he saying? When you look at this word, the real Jesus, instead of seeing him ascending into heaven, he's going to rise in your heart and you're going to become more like him. It's one thing to see him ascend. It's another thing to have him ascend in you. And so above all, verse 20, he said this, You must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. When Daniel interprets these dreams, when Daniel says this is what this means, when he says that he didn't interpret that. They'll say, well, we'll get Daniel and he'll interpret these things. But Daniel didn't interpret them. The Holy Spirit spoke to him. And the scripture says, No prophecy of scripture came by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as though they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so we need to understand that when we're studying the book of Daniel. Daniel was a major prophet. And when he speaks when we see the scripture says, I want to speak as an oracle of God, Daniel spoke as an oracle of God because he he allowed the Holy Spirit to speak through him. Amen. And I hope to do that today. I hope to allow the Holy Spirit to use me to share with you so that we all can benefit from the things that we already know that God has provided for us to live godly in this culture. Part one of our mes- series of messages was culture's greatest goal. Remember, culture's greatest goal is to change your name so they can change your identity. They don't want you to identify with God. They want you to identify with anything else. Number two, the second week was go- uh, culture's greatest test. And it's the battle for worship. It's not... Uh, 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 the Satan wants you... He not only does not want you to worship God he'll do that in any means. He'll say, you can worship me or you can worship some football team. You understand? Or you can worship some band or celebrity, or you can worship money. You can worship anything. Just don't worship God. He said, if you don't worship me, just worship anything but God. And there's the battle. And then this week, So the greatest goal is to change your name. The greatest test is the battle for worship. The greatest sin is pride. Today, we're going to be talking about culture's greatest culprit. What the enemy is using to get us to fall for one of the first three. He wants us to fall for one of the first three. And then next week, let's talk about our preview for next week. Culture's greatest need. What do you think culture's greatest need is? Well, we would say God, but who does God use? Us, Culture's greatest need is you. Culture needs you. Culture needs you. And how does it need you? It needs you to be one of God's people with whom Jesus is rising like the day star on the inside of you. That's who culture needs you to be. Culture needs a leader. Culture needs influence. And like we said, Daniel was an influential person in four different kings' reigns. And then part six, the message will be titled, Daylight Savings Time, but it's about the Antichrist. And you're going to want to come and hear that message for sure. And so today we're going to pray, and then we're going to get right into our message. Father, I thank you again for each person here. Lord, we thank you. We do thank you that the entrance of your word gives light. We do thank you that what we will hear today will change us. It will cause us to move to a different place in our life that we will become more and more like you so that we can do the things that you do. Father, help, help us not to, get, to stumble by regret, that, that we've regretted things that maybe in the past that we didn't take opportunity that you gave us. Father, help us to see that you've forgiven us for that, And you're taking us to a new place, a new place of opportunity, giving us a new opportunity to follow you in Jesus name. Amen. There's a lot of scripture we're going to read today. And I just want you to buckle your seatbelts. Can you do that for me? Okay. Daniel chapter five, verse one says King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. So a couple of things. First of all, That's a big banquet, a thousand people. Anybody ever been to a banquet with a thousand people? Maybe you have. I've been to a banquet with a thousand people and we had to have it on the floor of an arena. So a thousand people gathering together, that's a lot of people. So this must have been a big room. And how many know when you have all your big friends there, you're going to want to show off if you're the guy, right? I mean, if you're worldly and you're inviting all those people there, you're going to, and you want to stand out from all those people, you're going to do something to stand out. Now, remember, what are they drinking? They're drinking a wine. It's real wine. It's not fake wine. It's real wine. When the Bible talks about drinking or drunkenness in the Bible, it's literal. So when it says wine, it's wine. When it says they're drinking, they were drinking. When it says they're drunk, they're drunk. Just like you would expect that to be. But it goes on symbolically to to mean, I don't know if you've ever been drunk. You might have been drunk. You might not have been drunk. But what I know about people I've been around that have been drunk, they care less about anything. They could care less about anything, right? Folks, have you been around drunk people? Have you ever been around drunk people? They do weird things. Do you understand they do weird things? When you get drunk, you do weird things. You lose all sense of what's appropriate. And you do stupid stuff. I've done stupid stuff. I have a broken hand. I was about 18 years old. And the the door wouldn't open right. So now I have a broken hand. Because I got mad at the door. As an 18-year-old person who was intoxicated. And all I needed to do was pull, but I thought you should push. And I got really irritated that it wouldn't allow me to push. You do stupid things. Do you need another analogy? Hopefully not. Okay. Hallelujah. I've got plenty. Anyway, drinking and drunkenness uh, referenced in the Bible then is literal, but it's also symbolic. It's symbolic about what uh, in a sense that it says, I'll do what I want to do. Drunkenness in the Bible means it's symbolic of a person who's doing whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. It's symbolic of a person that has the live and let live attitude. I'll do what I want to do. You do what you want to do. You be you. I'll be me. And that's not who God wants us to be as Christians. And so while Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders. (laughs) Can you see it? I'm in the bathroom. There's the door and I'm trying to give that door orders. How, how prideful of me to think that I can make that door do something different than it wants to do. And here's Belshazzar. He's giving orders and here's his order. Go get those goblets my father got out of the palace, I mean, out of the uh, um, temple, thank you, the palace, out of the temple in Jerusalem. Go get those goblets and bring them. We're going to drink wine out of their God's goblets, hubris, pride, and they did just that. He gave orders to bring the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king, his nobles, his wives, his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple and the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines drank from them as they drank the wine, as they drank the wine. So remember, they're getting drunk, they're making poor decisions, and now as they're drinking the wine, they decide that they'll use God's goblets and that wine to worship the God of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. And when God saw it, he took it that they were mocking him. They were mocking him, and they were disrespecting his holy things. And how many times we as a church, we've done the very same thing sometimes. We disrespect God's holy things. And suddenly, so God didn't wait. God had already been warning him, but God didn't wait suddenly. And again, God only did this one time. You'll never see this again in scripture. God did this one time. He took the fingers of the human hand, very similar to the hand in the Adams family. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The hand. He came up out of the box. Here comes the hand and the hand starts writing on the wall. And notice where it's writing on the wall, right near the lampstand in the royal palace. Why? Because God wanted everybody to see it. He shined the light on it. And the king watched as it wrote. Now, not in your notes, but let me read on. Reading on, it said, and his face turned pale. And he was so frightened that his legs became weak and that his knees were knocking. And the king summoned the enchanters and the astrologers and the diviners. And then he said to all the wise men in Babylon... Whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple, have a gold chain placed around their neck, and he will be made third highest ruler in my kingdom. But the diviners, they couldn't do it. The diviners in the kingdom, they could not figure it out because they could not know God's mysteries. Paul told us this. He said that the natural man cannot understand the things of God. A natural man cannot understand the things of God. You know what that means? You're not natural if Jesus lives inside of you, number one. Number two, it means if Jesus is inside of you, then the Holy Spirit's in you to be able to define for you the things that God is speaking to you. That you can know the things of God. I can know the things of God. God has mysteries about your life that you will only figure out when you connect with him. Psalm 139 says this, all the days of my life are ordained and written in your book. So understand this, you cannot figure out your life apart from God. See, that's one of the most important things I could say this morning is you, me, any of us, we cannot figure out our lives apart from God. We need him. I mean, we sang that song early, I need you. Why do I need you? God, I need you to help me figure some stuff out. Yeah. Figure some stuff out about me. Figure some stuff out about my future. I trust you where, with the place that I place my foot. With every place that I step, I trust you, God. And then in, in uh, chapter 5, verse 13, it goes on to say, so Daniel was brought before the king. Why was Daniel brought before the king? Because his wife said, hey, this guy Daniel he's, he's uh, 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 defi- uh, interpreted some dreams for your dad, Nebuchadnezzar. You need to call him. Maybe he can do this. So Daniel was brought before the king and the king said to him, are you Daniel, one of the exiles, my father, the king brought to Ju- or from Judah? I've heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, that you have insight and intelligence and outstanding wisdom. He said, the spirit of the gods. He didn't have the spirit of the gods. But that's the only thing that that king understood. He didn't understand the things of God. He didn't have the spirit of gods. He had the spirit of the one and only true God on the inside of him. And the wise men and the enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now, I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed with purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made third highest ruler in my kingdom. He's ruling from behind. Amen. He's influencing from behind. And Daniel's reply was this. I don't want your money. And I will tell you what it means. And so Daniel told Belshazzar this. He said, first, your father Nebuchadnezzar tried to play this same game with me. He wanted me to tell him what, uh, what the interpretation of the dream was. But then he turned around and tried to skirt the uh, consequences that God said would happen if he didn't do what God told him to do. He tried to do an end run and try to to, to, to do what he wanted to do. And not suffer the consequences. And I know nobody in this room has ever done anything like that. Did what they wanted to do. And then tried to skirt the circumstances. But he ignored the words of God, he said. And when he ignored the words of God, what happened to Nebuchadnezzar? Remember, he went insane. But thank God, God restored him. And you are doing the same thing right now. Verse 23, instead, Daniel speaking to Belshazzar, looks at him right straight in the eye. He's the king. Remember, this is the king. What kind of boldness must Daniel have knowing that when he gets ready to say something, it's not going to be a a welcomed um, message for the king? Here's what he told the king. He said, instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. Wow, that's boldness. He said, you set yourself against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles and your wives and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, these gods which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and your ways. Now, let me ask you this question. If, if God held in his hands the life of Belshazzar in all of his ways, does he hold our lives any less in his hands? And the answer to that is no. Our lives are in God's hands. And if we serve him, we can trust him. Amen? And so therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. So Daniel said, you've set yourself up against the Lord. Now God brings warnings prior to consequences. We know this. And he told me, he said, you've used these things in a common manner. And then you connected yourself with these diviners and these astrologers that could never give you the answer to the meaning of life. How many have connected our, in, in our lives? Have we connected ourselves to, to people that could never give us the meaning of lives, but we trust them or we let them influence our lives? People that, that, it could be a mother, a father, a grandparent. It could be a boss. It could be somebody that doesn't know God, but we put our, hand, our life in their hands and we trust them instead of trusting the Almighty God. Trust God with your life. Trust God with your future. Don't worry about what's going on anymore around you. And put your trust in him. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. By, by, by prayer and supplication. Let your request be made known to God. And give him thanks. Give him thanks. But no, Daniel didn't do that. Or, uh, uh, Belshazzar didn't do that. The handwriting was on the wall. How many know we use that terminology today? The handwriting is on the wall. Uh, I... This is the analogy. You work with somebody, for instance, that everybody knows that this person's a slacker. This person never does their job. They never do their job right. They're never in the place where they're supposed to be at the time they're supposed to be there. Everybody in the company sees it, and this person just keeps coming to work. And everybody says, well, it won't be long till they won't be working here anymore. The handwriting's on the wall. And then a few days later, they get a pink slip and everybody knew they were going to get a pink slip because management cannot let that happen, right? Because if they let that happen, everybody else would act like that. Anybody without any kind of um, fortitude, without any kind of character. And so the handwriting's on the wall and here's what it said. Daniel chapter 5, verse 25 and 26. This is the inscription that was written. Mene, 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 Tickle, parson. This is what these words mean. Mene. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. So here's the warning. We forget that our days are numbered. We forget that our days are numbered. Anything you have a lot of, you squander. We'll just get more. We'll just get more. Anything we have a lot of, we squander. But what you have a little of, you tend to protect, value, and use wisely. You know, James said this. He said, and he's quoting scripture. He says, "Your life is but a vapor here today and gone tomorrow." You've heard these messages preached where the people will preach on uh, you're living in your dash. What are you going to do with your dash? And what they mean is, here's the day you were born. Dash. Here's the day you're going to die. You can go right over here to the cemetery, and you can find a headstone with a a born-on date, right? Born date, a dash, and it's not filled in yet because those people are still living their dash. What are you going to do with your dash? Your days are numbered. Hebrews 9.27 says this. And when you see those headstones, you know that eventually somebody's going to fill in that date. How many know that that's true? Unless Jesus comes back, that date's going to be filled in someday. We all have a date with death. You're welcome. We all have a date with death. So we better better deal with it now. So it doesn't take us by surprise, right? (laughs) Hebrews 9.27 Man is destined to die once. And after that, to face judgment. You do not find this scripture, I promise you, on somebody's wall hanging. You're never going to see this in somebody's house. Oh, I saw this down at the boutique, and I thought I'd... Just as people are destined to die once, and after that, face judgment. Don't you think that looked good uh, over the dining room table? Or you've never heard somebody say, well, what's your life verse? Oh, my life verse is Hebrews 9.27. I live by that verse. Just as people are destined to die once. And after that face judgment. I live by that. But you know what? It probably wouldn't be a bad thing to live by that. Probably wouldn't be bad. to Understand that my days are numbered. What if you only had 30 days to live? I don't know about you. I've met people that have had terminal illnesses. And they've been given... 30 days, six months, eight months, one year. And when you talk to them, all of a sudden, what they're going to do with their life in those next 30 days, six weeks, eight weeks, one year, changes. Their priorities completely change. Their priorities change. So much so that that some people make a bucket list. I want to do this before I die, and and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. But how would you live if you only had 30 days to live? What if we started living that way today? Who would you talk to about Jesus? Who would you share your life with? Who would you make sure you talk to if you knew you only had 30 days? Don't forget your days are numbered. Daniel 5, 27, the second word, tekel. You have been weighed on the scales and found Wanting. This is another warning. How are we living our life? He said, you've been been weighed and found on the scales to be wanting. You you are not living your life the way that you should. Why? Because we allow ourselves, you can write this down, we allow ourselves, our lives, to get out of balance. How we live our life is being weighed. And the question is, is your life out of balance? On the screen are some is a list of your life. And this is the average American, in their lifetime, in their average lifetime, will eat at a restaurant 14,411 times, 1,811 trips to McDonald's. That's just the average American. The average American will spend 13 years, four months watching TV. And, and, and won't be able to say, did we watch that? I think we've watched this. Anybody ever ask that question? Because I do. Anyway, spend five years waiting in line. Five years waiting in line. Spend one full year just looking for your glasses your keys (laughs) honey where's my glasses on your head right or they'll drive listen to this drive 627,000 miles through the course of their life if you got on the equator and went around the world that'd be 25 times around the world that you spent in a car or a truck or a bus or a train 627,000 miles So what are we doing with our life? Is our life out of balance? The prophetic warning is this. And we said it's a more sure word of prophecy is stop the constant push for more. You don't have to have more. I don't have to have more. We don't have to keep pushing for more because when we push for more, sometimes we push for more and then now we have to have two jobs. Right? Right? We're going to have to get a second job if we're going to have this. Well, we don't need to push for more. Because the constant push for more will destroy you. And so, what's the litmus test of whether I need it or not? Here's the litmus test Does it add to my purpose or does it distract from my purpose? Can I tell you here at the church right now, this is our litmus test. What is our vision? Some of you will know it. Some of you won't. It's on the front of your worship guide. It's out in the foyer. Our vision is that people would know God, that they would find freedom, that they would discover their purpose, and that they would make a difference. That's the vision of this church, that you, that me, that anybody that darkens the door of this church would, number one, know the Heavenly Father, that they would know God. That's the most important thing. That's where, that's the jumping off point. If you don't get there, you're in trouble, right? Thank you for that one lonely ride. You got to know him. And then once you know him, you find freedom. You find freedom from the, the hurts. This is a place of freedom. We sing about freedom because God will set us free. And how does he do it? He uses one another. With one another, we get set free in small groups and in one on one conversations. So, know God, find freedom. We discover our purpose. On November 6th, we're going to have a, another growth track. And we want you to, to if, this, if you're new to the church, you want to find out about the church, go through growth, growth track. It'll happen Sunday, November 6th. We'll feed you, we'll take care of your kids. It'll take about two hours and you'll be done. And you'll know what we believe. You'll know why we're here. You'll know about your design. And you'll know where you can get involved. Amen? And so we want you to get involved with that. That's our vision. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and then together we make a difference. How do we do it together? We have an outreach like trunk or treat, seems harmless. But what other day of the year can you get all the little gremlins and goblins to come to your church? They'll come. You just say, we got candy. (laughs) Oh, we'll come for candy. And then you show them the love of Jesus. You help them have a good time and you put something in in their hand and you invite them to church. We do that multiple times a year, right? Why? Because we want to make a difference in their lives. So is what we're doing here at the church. Someone will come to us and say, hey, I got an idea. We ought to do this. Does it help people know God? Does it help them find freedom? Does it help them discover their purpose? Does it help them make a difference? No, we're not doing it. Why? Because it'll distract us from our vision. And if you have purpose in your life, there are things that will disturb your purpose, that will distract your purpose. And so you got to get rid of it, right? Uh, Ecclesiastes 4, six says it is better to have only a little with peace of mind than to be busy all the time with both hands trying to catch the wind. And then finally, so we said we forget to number our... We forget that our na- days are numbered. Number two, uh, we allow our lives to get out of balance. Number three, Daniel 5.28 says Perez Perez is the singular version of Parson... Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. If you allow your life to get out of balance, if you don't understand that your days are numbered, then your kingdom will be divided and given to somebody else. When your life is out of balance, you will become divided and destroyed. And so what do we do? We ignore the warning signs. If we ignore the warning signs, that is going to be the end result. Do not ignore the warning signs. And the sign may be a small amount of stress. What is the warning sign? You just feel yourself getting a little stressed about certain things. Right? Right. Uh, What I'm talking about, let's say, you know, there's not enough money at the end of the month. Anybody ever been there? There's just not enough money at the end of the month. And all of a sudden, there's just this this Stress. Well, what what do we do? Well, we go back and look and say, how did we spend our money this month? Oh, there was a spot. I probably shouldn't have done that. And what do we do? We learn and take the warning and don't do that same thing next month. Right? Because you're going to progress. There are going to be things in your life. Sometimes it feels like you are where you are and you're always going to be there. But you're not always going to be where you are right now. But you have to be wise. You have to be wise. And so don't ignore the warning signs. Or there might be a, 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 just a little something in your marriage is feeling just a little off. He came home a little later. Or she didn't come to bed right away. All those things can mean something. They don't always mean something. But they can mean something. And if if they persist, all of a sudden they become a warning. Hey, I better get something worked out here. Right? And so listen to those warning signs. A warning came to Belshazzar before his kingdom was divided. Sometimes warning comes in the form of pain. But that pain is a gift from God to tell you something just ain't right. But the warning could come to you in another way too. It could be that still small voice of the Holy Spirit that says, Don't go there. Don't do that. Don't say that. Just a check, a feeling, a sensation, a knowing. You can say it in so many different ways, but it's the Holy Spirit. And He's talking to you. How many have ever you argued with yourself about walking in sin? There was an opportunity for you. There was a temptation and, 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 and it was appealing. And you say, I never hear from God. I just never hear from God. You heard from God that day. He was talking to you. Don't go there. Don't go there. But what did you do? We went anyway. And you know what? The more you go and you violate that voice, the, the, the quieter that voice becomes. I want God to talk real loud on the inside. How do you get him to talk real loud? Do what he says the first time he says it. When you do what he says the first time he says it, it's not that his voice got any louder. It's that you tuned in a lot greater. You'll hear him. You'll hear him. So don't ignore those warning signs, because when we ignore warning signs, we're at a, grateful, we're at a greater risk for making sinful choices. For one, we make, we're at a greater risk of walking in sin, of falling to temptation. Uh, our emotions, number two, become very inconsistent. How many of you have ever seen people, gosh, you're driving down the road, and all of a sudden you're yelling at the guy next to you, who cannot possibly hear you and you call him every name under the Sun and you're just frustrated and it ruins your day but didn't ruin his day why because your emotions are inconsistent if you begin to see your emotions are inconsistent those are warning signs or we become less productive Uh, we don't honor that Sabbath principle You don't take time just to sit down around the table with your family and eat a meal and actually talk. Here's... (laughs) (laughs) Pass the... And everybody's on their device and eating their meal. Go to a restaurant and watch it. It's hilarious. And then watch yourself too. But sometimes we do it too so don't be so uh, uh, replenish your soul how do we replenish your soul you do things like if, if you're sensing some stress in your marriage take take a walk with your wife i know my wife would love for me to take a walk with her she loves to walk she absolutely loves to walk i can take it or leave it you know what i'm saying can you tell <laughs> walk. Like, are we going somewhere? I mean, no, I just want to walk in a circle. Okay. She loves that. And if I love her, I should try to want to, I probably should want to do that. Right? Because if I'm sensing a warning in my marriage, what's something she wants to do that I wouldn't necessarily, I could care less about, but I know if it's important to her, it will help our marriage. It will strengthen our marriage. Vice versa. If it's important to him, it will strengthen our marriage. I, you might say, I don't like football. But he does. You know what I'm saying? Do I need to say any more? No. And then another person says, <laughs> watch football. Anyway, I can't hear God. People say that I can't hear God. Well, if you can't hear God, it's because your world's too loud. Amen. You have to quiet your soul. It goes right back to Psalm 46.10. Be still and know I'm God. Just be still and know I'm God. Know God. You know, you're on this continuum. You've known God. You're catching some freedom. You're finding out who you are. You start getting busy in ministry and you start doing things that are being very helpful to other people. And then all of a sudden, there's these warning signs that you're kind of sliding back and, and you forgot your first love. You forgot your prayer time. You forgot your Bible reading. And now you can't really hear God because you're too busy working for God. These things are important. We've got to make the the most important things the most important things. Let's, Let's close with this. Turning points. A turning point is a warning. A warning can serve as a turning point in your life. And it will serve as a turning point in your life one way or another. If you listen to it or if you don't listen to it. Because Belshazzar refused to listen to his warning. And in Daniel chapter 5 verse 29. Then at Belshazzar's command. Daniel was clothed in purple. Had a gold chain placed around his neck. And he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And that very night Belshazzar the king of the Babylonians was slain. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at an age of 62. Why? Because he did not listen to the warning. And so how how do we need to listen to the warnings? Number one, number one, live your life with a sense of purpose and urgency. Understand your life matters. The devil's also going to try to tell you you're worthless, you're a failure, and your life doesn't matter. And those are lies. Your life matters. Where you are right now, who you are, and who you are associated with, your life matters more than you could possibly understand. So find something to live for. Something that is bigger than you. See, folks, Christians are not supposed to live like this. We're not supposed to live like that. I'm on the mountaintop. Things are going great. And then the next day, I'm in the mully grubs things are going terrible. We don't live like that. We are consistent and constant. Why? Because the God of peace is our God. And those who keep their mind stayed on him, he will keep them in perfect peace. I live that life. You can live that life. We can live that life of peace. Through the storm, even in the storm, in the midst of the storm, when things are going bad, you can be at peace. How? Live with a sense of purpose and urgency. Understand why and understand the life of meaning, uh, of the life, uh, what your life's meaning is, what your purpose is. Uh, Psalm 39, four and five, the Lord said this, remind me now how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than a width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. We're not here that long. And there's a reason you're here. And God wants you to know that reason. So find it. Get that sense of purpose. Get that sense of urgency that if I don't do... What is a sense of urgency? We can say it, but what it is... Is if I don't get up and do this, I feel like I'm losing my life. i got to do this. This has to be done. Anybody ever had a chore in your life that if it didn't happen, if you didn't get it done, things are going to get worse right? It's like when the flood's coming and let's put out those uh, uh, sandbags. If you don't get the sandbags out, things are going to go worse. And everybody's working with urgency because there's an emergency. Well, you can't wait for an emergency for urgency. You got to be urgent now when you don't need to be. Because there's going to come a time and you'll be glad you were. Number two, put first things first. If your life's out of balance, this is where you start. How do I start? Uh, the, The Bible says in Psalm 90, teach us to number our days, recognize how few they are, help us spend them as we should. How should we spend them? Number one, put God first. You all know the little exercise where you have the rocks and the sand in a jar and then you pour it all out and then you try to fit it all back in. And the people that try to put the sand in first can never fit it all in. Why? They're putting all the little things in first What do you do? You take the biggest rock, you put it in there, and the next biggest rock, and you get all the big rocks in there, then you pour the sand in and let it fill in. When you establish your priorities and say, this is important, this is next important, and this is next important, and I'm going to do those, come hell or high water, then when some of the other stuff comes along, you can fit it in, right? But if you let all the other stuff take priority, You'll never fit in what's most important. So what's most important is your relationship with God. So put first things first. Order determines capacity. Order determines capacity. You got that? Big rocks. (laughs) Just think big rocks. Man, spending time with God is a big rock. Seek God first seek his kingdom first and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you then finally when are you going to do this we're going to do it now do it now there's no day no time better than the what present Present. do it now if you have warning signs do not put it off in genesis chapter six god speaking to noah said this god's spirit will not always strive with man Man, if God's talking to you, that's the time to act. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time of God's favor, 2 Corinthians 6.2. So what is culture's greatest cul- culprit? It's a hectic, out-of-balance lifestyle. We can't figure out where we, we meet ourselves coming and going. That hectic lifestyle and God's warning is a gift Today, this message is a gift to you from God Almighty to say, establish your priorities. Focus on the things that are most important. Your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children. These things are most important. The most important. Well, I don't have children. Well, there's somebody in your life. There's somebody in your life that's important. Establish those priorities. Would you stand with me this morning? Today, I want you to embrace this gift from God. This is a gift of evaluation. This is a gift of saying, uh, Lord, search my heart, know me. Show me those things that I need to get rid of. This is that day. For some of you, it may be of the day that you say, I need to just serve God. I've never served him. I need him to be my savior. That may be you. Today is a good opportunity. You may be someone right now, you say, my, my fellowship with God is broken. You were talking about not being able to hear from him. I haven't heard him in a long, long time. I wouldn't know him if he wore a red cape. I just can't hear him anymore. Well, today's your day. What do you mean? Well, all you say is pray for me. Pray for me. Because the way you restore fellowship with God the way you restore broken fellowship, the way you cut the distance between you and God is to turn to Him. Simply turn to Him. God never left. He said, I will never leave you. I'll never leave you. That's what God said. And I believe Him. Peter said you can believe Him. Peter said His word is more reliable than His voice. And he said, I'll never leave you. So with your heads bowed, if you want prayer today, I'm just going to ask you just to raise your hand. If you want prayer, I, I want that broken relationship. Thank you very much. I want that broken relationship fixed. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. I want to restore my relationship with him. Thank you. I've been distant from God. Thank you. But I want it restored right now. I want to walk in that freedom that God's called me to. For those of you that have raised your hand. For those of you that have raised your hand. I want you to bow your heads right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I pray for each one of these. You saw each hand. These are people that are saying right now. Lord, forgive me for what I've done. Forgive me for my negligence. Forgive me for not hearing those warnings. Forgive me for not walking in your way. I turn to you now in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you that as soon as they turn to you, you are there. Forgiving them. Cleansing them from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness has to go. Father, I thank you that you're just pouring out your love on each one of them just now. Just pour out your love on them. Let them know that you're their heavenly father and that you're there for them and that you are never leaving, that you're taking them to another level even now because we well, this is by, here, here's something I know and I really believe it's by the spirit of the Lord. That you keep getting to that place of going to that next level. And the devil knows. It, he, it's a place of decision where you have to make a decision to let it go. Let something go. Whatever it is, you have to let it go. And when I say let it go, I don't mean give it to God. I mean actually let it go. Let it alone. And you have to let it alone. And every time you get to that place, there's, there's a, a succumbing to the temptation. But God is saying, no more. No more. No more. No more. I pray that you're strengthened with might by the Spirit of God in your inner man that when that place, when you get to that place again, because God wants to take you to that next level, but it's almost as if it's a test. And it's not God testing you, it's the enemy that's testing you, keeping you from trying to go to the place that God has for you. But this time, this time, Satan, has he, he's given his best shot And God is with you. And he will take you to that next level. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Somebody give God glory. Hallelujah. Father, we give you glory. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. Let's just begin to thank him. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We just give you thanks that you're working mightily. Mightily in people's lives. Hallelujah. You're a good God. And you love us so much. You're not willing to that any should fail or fall or perish. You want all of us to come safely into that harbor that is yours. So we give you thanks for it today. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down. Anybody that can serve today on that prayer team, please come down. Thank you. If you need prayer for anything in your life today, our prayer team is here. I'll be down there too. Uh, We're going to sing this song. I'm going to ask Jennifer to sing this song. I love this song. Place of Freedom. I love it. Absolutely love it. Because that's what it is. It's a place of freedom. If you need freedom in your life from anything right now, you'd like somebody to pray with you in agreement, please come down as we sing this song then Jennifer is going to dismiss us in prayer.